welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Studio 14 on this Monday, January 29, 2024. Unity State Information Minister accuses former rebels loyal to Riyak Machar of attempting to kill the state governor. The proof that we have as government of United State is that these forces were deployed before they were deployed together with SSDR forces alongside the road. And the former rebels of the SPLMIO accuse the South Sudan army of attacking their positions in Unity State. What happened today was a, a direct attack uh, on the SLI opposition. Uh, in Balkon. The attack came from two different directions. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The Minister of Information in Unity State is accusing former rebels loyal to South Sudan's first Vice President Riyak Machar of attacking a convoy of the Governor of Unity State. David Guy says Governor Montreal's convoy was attacked in Rupkona County. He was returning from a visit in the area. Guy adds that uh, two senior officers from the South Sudan People's Defense Forces were killed in the attack. So Isakhin was was, uh, was visiting the, the civilian uh, of Rukana County, where he was staying a visit in the morning. Then on his way, going to the people of, of, of Rukana County, he, he was ambushed by SPLMIO forces who were deployed alongside alongside the road. A serious accusation you're making here that the SPLAIO loyal to first Vice President Riyad Machar are behind the attack. What proofs do you have to make such an uh, accusation? Well, um, the proof that we have as government of United State is that these forces were deployed before they were deployed together with SSDR forces alongside the road. The road was from Roria Kaikang Road. That is uh, the unit, uh, that is the Rukona County. The road was established last year in order to facilitate the movement of the, of the citizen of Unity State from Rukona to, to Kaikang. Kaikang is part of um, Mayam County. So this road is between the two counties connected. So our proof is they were there. They were told to move away from the market because this area was populated by by, by civilians. The citizens are living here and uh, SLMIO are also located alongside the road. So they were, they were told to move away 10 kilometers and SSDR forces also are told to move away 10 kilometers. So it was implemented by SSDR forces. They were stepped away from the market where the, the citizens are located. So they refused to go away intentionally um, to, to assassinate the second as the governor if they say to do it today. So this is our proof. We are quite sure that these are the SPLMIO forces. It is not an imagination. We know it by far. And it's my understanding that uh, after the revitalized peace agreement was signed in 2018, and SPLIO is now part of the South Sudan Defense Forces, this uh, a unified force that has been uh, in the fields, and uh, they graduated and they have been deployed. You are still... Calling this unified forces SPLAIO or SPLMIO? Yes, we are still calling them SPLA, SPLMIO. Why? Why? Because they are now part. Of, they, are, they are part of. They are part of South Sudan Army. Why would you call them SPLAIO? They are. They are part of South Sudan Army, and some of them are not yet integrated. The the first one was done, and the first two has not yet. So people will we will give them a training. 
we went to um, the train site. We deployed like um, like the police and the other organized forces. These are the pure military, the military army. We were not yet deployed and integrated to SSPDR forces. They are still working independently. They have their command directly from the first vice president. So their command is not from our SSPDF command. So they have their own uh, special communication from uh, the first vice president with their command in chief. This is the reason why we are calling them FPLM IO forces. Talk to me about this attack today on the governor's convoy. Were there casualties? Of course, there, there were casualties. The major general uh, was uh, badly wounded and is now in critical, critical condition in hospital. Um, the major general belonging to which force? The chief of uh, division four belonging to SSPDF forces. And also, and also the SSPDF chief of MI was also wounded. So how many people were wounded in this attack? Yes, in this, um, in this attack, um, um, many soldiers were wounded. We are still uh, collecting the information from the officers, the officers in the front line. So we have not yet confirmed how many, how many, and how many soldiers are dead and how many, how many uh, people were injured. So um, we are still um, communicating with the, with the officers to give us the details more about this later on. And where is uh, Governor Joseph Montreal? Was he in the convoy? Was, he, was his car involved in this attack? Yes, of course. His car was involved in this attack. The mission, um, the convoy was actually the governor himself who was in the mission. And he was attacked in front. Then when he when he knew that this is an attack, the ambush, so um, the vehicle returned. So from the vehicle who, who were in the front and ambushed, so we need you turn by, by turning the vehicle of his section as the governor to come back to, to Roria. So... As we speak now, His Excellency, the governor is in Roria. We cannot, we cannot continue to go ahead because he was ambushed on the road. That's David Guy, Unity State Information Minister. He spoke with me from Bantu earlier today. The spokesperson of the SPLA in opposition rejected allegations that SPLA IO forces attacked the convoy of Unity State Governor Joseph Montreal. Colonel Lam Gabriel explained to my colleague Nabil Biagio that it was, in fact, SSPDF forces who initiated the attack on the SPLMIO positions. And Lam said they acted in self-defense. What happened today was a, a direct attack uh, on the SPLMIO position uh, in Balcon. Uh, the attack came from two different directions. One from uh, the site of Mayum that was being commanded by uh, Brigadier General Tito Bielwi, who defected uh, about two years ago to the SSPD. Then the second was even led by the governor and the division four commander himself to, from, from the site of Kona to our base. So it had two different fronts uh, by around two to defend against. And uh, we successfully defended and uh, pushed them back to wherever they came from. Uh, we know they are also planning to launch a second attack, uh, which we are waiting. And whatever just happened was complete, uh, again, to a violation of the agreement. But you no, know, we reserve the, side, the, 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 the right to, to self-defense uh, whenever we attack. Uh, we never, there was no any convoy. We were not even notified that uh, there was a convoy coming to to our side, and uh, we need to make this very clear. We know we are implementing the agreement, 
uh, in this agreement, we don't move forward. We are not allowed. Anybody is not allowed to move forward without notification to the partner or to the 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 the, 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 the monetary mechanism like the citizen or only. See, and if he was supposed to be moving to a direction, and if it was a peace mission, he should be having citizen with him and even only to do with him. But that was not the case. This was a clear violation and intentional aggression against the Israelites. It is not beginning. We lost our Mirmir uh, Cantonment Center, which was being attacked, even which was attacked some years back by uh, the Commissioner of uh, Court, and under previous directive from the governor himself. Yes, Yes, Colonel. December, December. Yes, yes, we are we are hearing these conflicting statements. The SSPDF, they accuse you of attacking their positions. Uh, you in the IO, you accuse them of doing the same. Why is this happening now when uh, you guys are sharing the same government when the nation's supposed to go to elections by the end of the year and this is still happening? Why? The, the, the thing is not about uh us attacking them if you have been following very critically it has always been us being attacked you said it has always been the israelite opposition being attacked Mirme was our cantonment center established by the peace mechanism in Dubai, the jm 50. and now they can the the, the base of the SLIO was also attacked this is our base not uh, of the SSPD. basically they have got their base in rokona town not that place how do you expect us to attack us in our base how, how is that going to be possible? How how do we attack the SSPDF in our own base? You need to be able to follow that very critically. Now, and now, in that case, US, yes. If, 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 if someone calls from here to go and uh, attack you in the US, will I say that, okay, the US attacked us from that? That, that? that is wrong. We are here. These are our base who are attacking our base. This and is, in that whatever case, giving is a then let me ask you this what are you doing to de-escalate the situation to make sure it doesn't blow up and becomes a big we, thing we, we, we always follow we all, we follow we follow the, the 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 provision for the agreement we say that when we attack we report to the monetary mechanism and this monetary mechanism they're supposed to be able to to to, to, to continue going i think this it reaches the the the, the leadership and they need to make sure that okay, there is accountability at the same time because whenever people are attacked and there is no accountability, we continue defending ourselves. That was Colonel Lam Gabriel, the spokesperson of the SPLA in opposition. He spoke with my colleague Nabil Biagio this past hour from Juba. The United Nations Interim Security Force for Abiyé says it is concerned by continuing intercommunal clashes that resulted in the death of another United Nations peacekeeper from Pakistan on, on Sunday. A Ghanaian peacekeeper was killed on Saturday during an attack on peacekeepers in the Abiyé box. UNISFA says it has allowed all persons in imminent threat of danger to seek refuge in some of its camps in Abiyé. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Coming up, 
the U.S. State Department puts money on the head of a former Sudanese minister. Find out why after the break. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Please take care of that important announcement. And our proverb for today is from Kenya. My name is Esther. I'm from Kenya. This is a Kikuyu proverb. It says, The literal meaning of this uh, proverb is, The eyes of a frog do not stop the cows from drinking water. The interpretation is that if you need something for your survival, do not shy away from pursuing it. The proverb encourages one to pursue beneficial goals, good deeds, good dreams, and do not allow anyone or anything to discourage you from pursuing your goals. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. South Sudan's Minister of Trade has accused some traders of smuggling expired and substandard goods into the country. William Nyon Huol says the country is consuming some expired goods and wants to take action against traders importing expired goods into the country. Some traders in Juba insist they are selling quality-assured goods in the country and voluntarily dump expired goods. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. On Saturday, the South Sudan National Bureau of Standards destroyed 60 tons of expired goods it collected during an inspection exercise in the capital, Juba. Addressing reporters in Juba Saturday, William Anyuankwal, the Minister of Trade and Industry, says people in the country are consuming expired and substandard food items. Most of the food that we eat and dealing materials that we have here are expired. Some are expired in even 2020, 2021, most of them, five years ago. So our team managed to uh, get all this thing that you can see here. And uh, it is our surprise that uh, our national traders, the national companies that we have, the retailers that we have, our national people, they are people from South Sudan, because of the money, they decided to sell these uh, substandard goods. Despite inspection teams at the main border entry point of Numuli, Anyuan says rampant smuggling is to blame for the availability of substandard goods in markets across South Sudan. He says his office will take legal action against traders found selling expired and substandard goods. When we get the people that we manage to capture this from them, we will not leave them like that. We will not even give them penalties because penalties is when you just uh, give someone penalties and pay the money. They don't care because they pay money. 
for this particular time, we said we will not be bothering just to give penalties. What we will do is that we will take these people to the court. He says the ministry is surprised that some unnamed five-star hotels in Juba are involved in the selling of substandard food by recycling and repacking expired goods with fresh dates. Corwell Kwai Corwell, chairman for the South Sudan National Bureau of Standards, says his office will continue to inspect shops and stores. And we also want to inform the public that when we clear some goods that are imported from our ports of entry, we just don't stop there. We continue to do market surveillance because goods, once they are in the country and they're in the stores or in shops or supermarkets, they may have reached their expiry date. And some unscrupulous business people in some one way or other may decide to continue selling the same products. Dudding, a trader in Juba, says he checks expiry dates before stocking items in his shop. It is a must to check the item before bringing it in your shop. You have to confirm if it is expired or not. When something expired in my shop, we usually place it outside and dumped with the garbage to be burnt. We don't sell it to customers because there is no amount of money better than human being. Human being is a good resource to use the money. Khalil Yunis, another trader in Juba, says he only stock items with valid expiry dates. I look only for those items with expiry of up to two years. One year, but items with a near expiry date, I don't take. Completely, I don't take because even my customers who come here, they check for the expiry date and they don't take expired goods. Now all my items here, like milk, their expiry date is up to 2026 and 2025. South Sudan relies on neighboring Uganda and Kenya for most of its imported foods. The National Bureau of Standards says earlier this month it impounded 17 trucks carrying smuggled goods at the border town of Nimuli. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. From Juba, we move to Washington, where the U.S. Department of State has designated Sudan's former Minister of State for the Interior and Omar Bashir's rule, Ahmed Muhammad Arun, under the War Crimes Rewards Program. Harun is wanted by the International Criminal Court for war crimes and crimes against humanity, allegedly committed in Darfur between 2003 and 2004. During that time, Harun stands accused of recruiting, mobilizing, funding, and arming the notorious Janjaweed militia, a prosecutor, to the Rapid Support Forces and participating in atrocities including murder, rape, torture, forceful transfer of population, persecution, and other inhumane acts. The State Department statement says it is crucial that Harun be found and that he appears before the International Criminal Court to face the charges against him. The statement says lasting peace in Sudan requires justice for victims and accountability for those responsible for human rights abuses and violations, both past and the present. The statement also said it is clear 
and direct connection. It says there is clear and direct connection between impunity and abuses under the Bashir rule, including those of which Harun is accused and the violence in Darfur. The statement adds that, that, quote, we are seeing some of the same perpetrators victimizing some of the communities in ways that are in a reminder of the horror unleashed 20 years ago. We welcome the ICC prosecutor's announcement that he is going to investigate the ongoing violence and urge all states to cooperate with ICC in its Darfur investigation. Through the War Crimes Rewards, the State Department offers rewards of up to $5 million for information that leads to arrest, transfer or conviction of certain foreign individuals who are wanted for war crimes, genocide and crimes against humanity. The program is one of the State Department's foremost tools in fighting immunity, impunity for atrocity crimes around the world and supporting justice institutions, having contributed to more than 20 cases and paid out $8 million over its lifetime. The State Department is asking individuals with information about Harun's whereabouts should contact the War Crimes Rewards Program by WhatsApp or text at 202-975-5468. Sierra Leone's foreign minister says it is important for regional bloc ECOWAS to re-engage with the three countries that announced their immediate withdrawal from the group. Timothy Musa Kaba has been leading ECOWAS foreign minister's negotiations effort with Niger. He also says it is important to find solutions to return the countries to constitutional rule. His remarks came after Niger, Mali and Burkina Faso jointly announced their withdrawal without delay from ECOWAS, saying the bloc has become a threat to its member states. For more reaction and latest update, VOS Peter Clody reached Kaba by phone. Frustrating, disappointing, and utter dismay. Nonetheless, hope is not lost. Niger, Burkina Faso, and Mali are very important components of the West African bloc. ECOWAS, over the period, has been mediating with these countries to bring these countries back to constitutional rule. Unfortunately, um, on Sunday, three countries came together and made a pronouncement that they ceased existing as members of the ECOWAS community. Um, this is not good news. Uh, these three countries have a common characteristics. These countries are threatened by terrorist activities and, uh, and, um, and internal politics. And so it is very important that um, ECOWAS um, you know, re-engages these countries and uh, have them to come to the table and for us to discuss as a community to advance our common aspiration as people of the West African bloc. Niger, particularly, I understand, was unhappy after a scheduled meeting for it to present its side of the argument to find a solution to their concerns and that ECOWAS uh, basically refused to attend the meeting for which reason they decided okay, enough of this, we are getting out. Uh, how do you respond to it, especially since you have been leading the negotiation efforts with Niger? It's unfortunate, Peter, because um, I, I, I was myself in Abuja with my colleague foreign ministers that are part of the mediating 
um, the in the Asian team. Uh, we were all bound uh, to travel to Niger on that very fateful day. And unfortunately, uh, in the morning hours, we couldn't um, get the landing permit from the Nigerian authorities. And many calls were made. And, and then uh, around midday, the landing permit was issued to the flight that was hired by ECOWAS. And, and when we were just about to board the flight to meet with our brothers in the Republic of Niger to start the negotiation, unfortunately, we learned that the aircraft that was hired by the ECOWAS commission um, you know, had technical difficulties, and so we, we could not fly that evening. And then ECOWAS immediately had a press release uh, in which it expressed its utter uh, disappointment, uh, its utter regret in not having that mission um, you know, uh, held on that very day. And it apologized to the authorities of, uh, of Niger and, and requested that another day be scheduled for the, the, the mediation importance of this negotiation, the greater importance of bringing back these countries to constitutional order is for the collective prosperity, collective stability, peace and security of the West African bloc. I, I was going to ask you whether ECOWAS will still engage with uh, these countries, including Niger, to try to resolve this political unpass and the decision to move away from the regional bloc. But then some also are expressing concern that ECOWAS is unduly being influenced by powers that be outside Africa, for which reason they are uncomfortable to be members. Peter, these claims are not uncommon. And um, in, uh, during, you know, uh, during uh, perilous times like these, people will be suspicious of each other. But I will tell you, um, the, um, in the 64th summit of the heads of state and government of the ECOWAS community, um, a, a public vote was, uh, was conducted where members um, you know, selected Sierra Leone and Togo as the key mediators um, you know, uh, between ECOWAS and the authorities of Niger. To That's all we prepared for you this Monday, January 29, 2024. Don't forget to check out VOAfrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this program, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with uh, Jamila by Sultan Clinton. I'm your host, John Tanz in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and engineer Chang, we wish you a good evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. On his recent trip to Africa, Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke about food security at the Africa Rice headquarters in Cote d'Ivoire. He expressed optimism that Africa will eventually be able to feed itself. 
What is needed is technology to grow resilient crops and infrastructure to distribute the African harvest. These are some of the things that we're working on, said Secretary Blinken, including with the investments we're making in the Lobito Corridor. The world recently faced an almost perfect storm of crises, including the COVID pandemic and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which have had a devastating impact on food security, especially in Africa, said Secretary Blinken. And of course, when you got that kind of crisis, you want to jump in and do everything you possibly can on an emergency basis to help people. That's, that's exactly what the United States did, providing billions of dollars in additional assistance to countries in need. Uh, we're by far the number one uh, donor to the World Food Program. But what Africans really want is to be able to feed themselves. USAID's Feed the Future is a long-standing program that has made a huge difference. But the U.S. has introduced a new initiative called a Vision for Adapted Soil and Crops, or VACS. Adapting current crops to be more resilient is part of the program, said Secretary Blinken. Along with rice, there are other traditional crops in Africa that are remarkably nutritious. In other words, they don't just bring a caloric benefit, they bring real nutrition with them, as you're doing with the rice, that can be adapted to be climate resilient so that they can stand up to uh, the extreme events uh, and weather patterns that are afflicting crops around the world. And that will appeal to people here in Africa. If you put that together with the other half of VAX, which provides the technology to map the soil quality of a field, you can raise productive capacity throughout Africa in ways that we haven't seen before, and that can bring Africa to the point not only of self-sufficiency, but of feeding others, said Secretary Blinken. All of these innovations help answer one of the most profound needs that we have, said Secretary Blinken. Because as President Biden said, if you can't feed your child, Nothing else really matters. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. 